0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 273 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam and just Adam today. Uh, Jill wasn't able to make it, so I'm going to do an intro here. She is in the second half of this episode, though, so you won't have to just hear me gab on for about, you know, 40 to 45 minutes because, frankly, I couldn't do that anyway. Um, I will always appreciate people like Mark Maron who have the ability to do like a 25-minute intro all by themselves and wax Intellectual and pontificate on things without having another human being in there because I personally just feel awkward every time I do this. Uh, so I will not be talking to you for 45 minutes. I'll just do a few minutes here to explain what the episode is all about and um, you know, kind of go from there. So today's episode is all about PBS's Great American Read program that's been going on uh, all year long, um, The Great American Read is a television show that's been airing on PBS. Uh, It's an eight-part series that explores and celebrates the power of reading told through the prism of America's 100 best-loved novels as chosen by uh, people who took place in a national survey. survey, Uh, So the thing that they did, which is really, really cool, is they worked with a public opinion polling service called YouGov to conduct this demographically and statistically representative survey of the United States, and they asked Americans, what is uh, the most beloved novel you know, f- to you personally? So there's about 7,200 people that t- took place in that particular first part of this. And then once they had those 100 titles selected and narrowed down, uh, now they have been going through and, and there's been millions and millions of people who have voted to try and uncover what is America's favorite book. Um, So they did a couple of cool things with this that I really, really loved. Um, One thing is that each author was limited to one title on the list, and this made sure that the list was really varied. So obviously everyone loves the Harry Potter books, but you're not going to see all seven of them in there, which is a really cool thing. Um, And you see this sort of thing actually with a lot of different types of authors. There's um, Because of the people that they polled, there are classic titles. There are new titles. Again, you'll see... Things like Harry Potter, you'll see things like Fifty Shades of Grey, but and you'll see, um, I believe, uh, Ready Player One is on there. Things that are newer, but then you'll also get uh, things like Crime and Punishment, which isn't even Dostoevsky's best novel. That is Brothers Karamazov, but that is just me complaining about the list. Uh, you'll see Alice and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Good job, America. That should be on there. Uh, You'll see Siddhartha and all sorts of things, the Great Gatsby books that you would expect to find on this list. And again, then you'll find some other ones that you might not expect to find on there. Um, So it's a really great list. Uh, They've been, again, they've been doing this all throughout, uh, really since May, they launched the initial uh, episode, which was their launch, and then they've been going through uh, a very, a couple different episodes every single week since September 11th, actually. So... Uh, This coming Tuesday, which is going to be the 16th, talks about some of the other worlds that are in there, and then on October 23rd, the grand finale takes place. Uh, So they'll uncover what is America's favorite book. Uh, So we were really fortunate. We have an awesome relationship with PBS, and we spoke with Bill Gardner, who is the Vice President of Programming and (laughs) Development, which I have to imagine means he is very, very busy every day, but he took about 20 minutes to... Dived through the list, answered some questions about it for us. Really got into um, a fascinating conversation about what surprised him, what things he expected to see that he didn't, and then just how this whole idea came about. So it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a conversation that it it's just cool to look at these books that are both, uh, you know, like I said, books that you might expect, and then some that you really might not expect to be on there. Um, you have everything from adult content to children's literature um and because it's america's favorite book but it isn't by like you know american authors you will see stuff from people from all around the world so um, really curious to get your thoughts um if you want to get more information about it you can go to pbs.org slash the great american read or of course you could just you know do a google search for the great american read you'll have no problem finding it um i want to hear your guys feedback so once you take a look at this list, once you listen to the episode, definitely shoot us an email, find us on social media. I want to know what your favorite book is on the list, um, if there's any books that you are surprised that were left out, or just your overall thoughts on this particular thing. So, And if you want to do all of that, you can find us at professionalbooknerds.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at ProBookNerds. Uh, and if you go to professionalbooknerds.com, uh, we also have an email address on there, professionalbooknerds. At Overdrive.com, that is our email address. We've been getting a ton of emails lately, so I promise I will get back to everybody who has sent us messages. We really, really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of everything that, in a nutshell, at the beginning of this. Um, just want to make one quick plea: uh, if you haven't done so yet, and we have a bunch of listeners that have recently joined, um, but if you're joining what you're listening to, uh, if you're getting good book recommendations from us, if you're finding the stories that you weren't expecting because of the the podcast and the little community that we've created here, if you wouldn't mind going into iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and a quick review, it really, really helps us. Uh, It helps people find us a lot more easily. It helps us to show all of the publishers who have a wonderful relationship with that they should continue to give us these incredible authors and these wonderful storytellers uh, to come onto the podcast. So I know that not everyone listens to them in iTunes, so if you know if you're able to go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, all that good stuff. Really, really appreciate it. It means the world to us. It helps us keep doing this cool little science project that uh, Jill and I came up with almost three years ago at this point. So, okay, that's enough begging. Thank you for hearing me out on that. Um, again, Jill is a part of the second half of this, which you're about to listen to right now. Uh, so, again, I want to thank you to PBS for connecting us with Bill Gardner, who is the vice president of programming and development over there. A uh, really fun conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <music> Hi everyone, it's Adam and Jill again today, and we are super excited to be having a conversation with Bill Gardner, who is the Vice President of Programming and Development at PBS. Uh, In case you've been living under a book rock for like the last year, uh, there's this incredible thing that they're doing called The Great American Read, and so we are going to talk to Bill all about how it came to be and a whole bunch of stuff uh, all about it. So first off, Bill, thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
3: Can you start by sort of giving our listeners and us um, an idea of how The Great American Read was first started and where the idea came from?
2: Sure. You know, what's a little bit different about PBS from other TV networks is we we really are very, very locally focused. We are uh, all about communities. You know, we're basically a federation of over 360 stations. So we really look for projects that allow us to Cultivate local communities and partnerships and so forth. And there are a few better ways to do that than really getting engaged in our shared culture, right? And we had a pitch for this idea uh, from the producer of Newtopia as a production company. Um, the, uh, the president of Newtopia had done something similar in the UK when she lived over in, in Britain. And we got really interested and excited about what we could do that could leverage our strengths uh, in the communities and with the rise of social media to start conversations. And when we thought about a great way to do that in terms of sharing culture, literature is probably one of the best ways to do that. You know, I mean, how is culture transmitted? It's through music, it's through food, it's through literature. And so this was something that we just really jumped on. We thought we could have a great time with it, and that's proven to be the case.
0: Um, I, I really liked how you, you talk about you know PBS being thought of as a, a local you know, station you know, for everybody because it is this, it's this large entity but it is very much like here in Cleveland I always thought about our local PBS Mm -hmm. station so because of that you know it's this isn't called the great Cleveland read or the great New York City read it's the great American read so overall how did you guys kind of make the list of the books that are now being represented or maybe just how did the list come to be?
2: Well uh, there in your question I think is is the answer like we didn't actually make the list America made the list we did a, a survey a nationwide survey with YouGov that asked this simple question, what's your favorite novel? And that was the only question it was. And we, we took the sample of very demographically accurate across the country and just wanted to hear what people responded to. This isn't the best novel. It isn't the most influential book. It's the most loved novel. And that's why the list came in as, as broad and diverse as it did because you know people like books for different reasons. Um, and it's as democratic a process as we could, we could think of it. I not to put you on the spot
0: because I didn't we didn't prep you this ahead of time, but I'm really curious, do you remember off the top of your head like how many initial responses you guys got for that?
2: We had um, I think it was twenty seven hundred. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a lot of responses. <laughs> yeah. And we went to again, we went through YouGov. We hired them to do it. And we did it in two waves so that, you know, um, events that were going on in the world might have made people think of some books over others, so we did it twice to kind of see how it, it played out and just to build that sample size even larger. And that's how we got to where we, where we got to. Quite a few people. Of course, now with folks voting, we're well over 3.5 million, and we expect to get to 4 million wow. votes all around. So people have gravitated to it, for sure.
3: That's amazing. <laughs> um, so along with, of course, having this great big book a list of books that people are encouraged to read. There's, you know, um, PBS, of course, is a television station, and there are episodes talking about all of them that are categorized in specific ways, like heroes or romance. How exactly did PBS go about um, deciding how to categorize these episodes in these books?
2: Well, we worked closely with the production company, Newtopia, obviously, and as we were going through the list, we were thinking, you know, how do you get through 100 of these? Yeah, this is what we're going through. And when we did the launch episode, we wanted to walk, go through all of them and give every book um, it's, its fair shot. And we were thinking, you know, how do you get deeper into some of these? And just some, some of the books tended to fall into certain kinds of categories. We also had an advisory council that was comprised of people from the publishing community, from the critical community, an author from libraries the teaching community in, in the country, um, to really just think how does how are these books taught? How are these books purchased? What do people react to? And we thought that some of the themes that were continually showing up across the list allowed us to kind uh, of subdivide them and really spend some, some deeper time and do deeper dives on a lot of the uh the content that was here to really get into why some of these books resonate to people. And a lot of them have this kind of a strong protagonist. There's antiheroes. There are villains that tell us certain things. You know, there's the worlds of you know the opportunity to go to a different kind of a world, whether it's sci fi fantasy or, you know, dystopic or utopic literature or what have you. We just really, you know, thought about as readers ourselves, what are the things that attract us to types of books? And um you know, through a lot of conversation and narrowing things down, this, these are the themes that we thought would attract people the most.
0: Obviously, when you create a idea like this, there's always going to be you know, ahead of time some set ideas and, and things that you have in your mind that you're likely to see as a result. But I'm curious in the list, whether it's themes that you're, that you're seeing throughout the list or just maybe specific titles that are on the list, what has kind of surprised you most about the whole process and the, the list that it ended up yielding?
2: honestly how passionate people are and in their own way. Like, they really wanted to take this and make it their own. We started a a Great American Read book club online through through Facebook, and it's got like 50,000 members. And every so often, you know, somebody from PBS would just make a comment, oh, you know, don't forget, coming up, you know, tune in or what have you. And people are like, oh, we don't need you. Go away, go away. We're just talking. You know, and to see that these little you know, side communities were starting up, and Uh, You know, it seems like such a cliche, we say literature will change your life, reading will change your life, but we're actually seeing that happen in real time, where people are making connections with one another. You know, one of the earlier conversations we had just internally was, you know, who has, when you ask what's your favorite book, well, everybody has different favorite books for different times in their lives or for different reasons and different purposes, you know, and hearing more and more stories as we got advocates, whether they're everyday folks or celebrities, what have you, they all saying kind of similar things. And what really struck me is, reading can seem like a very insular experience. You know, you're kind of sitting in your chair reading by yourself. But it really is so communal when you have something to share. And the degree to which people wanted to talk to each other, wanted to share their stories, share their inspirations, it was really a wonderful thing to see. I was kind of just blown away by how passionate people really are. You know, it was great. And on all kinds of different books too. You're so. That's such a good point. You're so
0: right about. And you know, we talk about that all the time too. Like reading is this activity that you think is very isolating, but as soon as you finish whatever the book is, like it's like if it's a good book, the first thing you want to do is find like sprint to someone right. to talk all about it. That's such a good point.
2: Well, that's I mean you know everybody who's in college or high school or whatever, you probably you found a random book like left on a picnic table with like you know read this book it'll change your life. Like people are doing that stuff for reasons, and you know whether it's the the little mini libraries that people put on their front yards and those little birdhouse-type things. like People want to share the inspiration that they've had, and literature is just such a great way to do that.
3: Um, as you mentioned at the beginning, you at PBS did not choose you know, the list of books that are included on The Great American Read. Were there any books that were left off the list that you would have expected to be on?
2: I think, you know, we were surprised by some of the books, some of the authors particularly, that not that they're not beloved, but they didn't, you know, make this this list. And, you know, um, there's no Faulkner on here. There's no Saul Bellow, Philip Roth, some of you know Cormac McCarthy. Like people you think of as the lions of literature, um, their books just didn't make the top 100. That's not to say people didn't vote for them. They just didn't fall into this. And I think that speaks to, uh, you know, what people are reading for. And one of the interesting things about the list is there's a lot of populist fiction in there because that's what people love. And to us, if you know, we want to get people reading and talking and, and sharing what they're inspired by. And this isn't you know the the most loved book that wins. It's not like the author gets a car. <laughs> you know, just, you know, just, we want to get people reading and celebrate that literature. So even if some of these books aren't on the 100 list, if people are talking about them, you know, if in the Facebook uh, book club they're saying, "Well, you like this," you really love that. That's cool. You know, we just want to get that convening. And, you know, you mentioned your, your, the Cleveland station. There are lots of stations all over the country. You know, some of them are doing their own events where they're doing you know, regional books. What's the, the most loved book in, in their region? And some of those might not necessarily make the list, but they're relevant in their communities. So that's kind of that you know, exponentially influential uh, result that we were really going for.
0: As soon as we get off the phone, I'm gonna look up know, and see if Cleveland go I need to know what, I need to know what Cleveland's favorite book is now. that's really <laughs> um, I love I, I, the, the thing that really struck out to me about the the people or the books and authors that were left off the list that you mentioned the Faulkner thing I, that almost like it made me smile because anytime you see one of those lists of like the top 100 books you have to read before you die that are always written by like literary critics. There's like seven Faulkner novels on there every single time, and I just roll my eyes. And I'm like, yeah, I know, Absalom, Absalom. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. It's, it is, it's interesting that, like you said, these are people that, you know, they, they read a book for enjoyment, and they're not always then, you know, proceeding to, to find the, 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 the deeper meaning that the author is, is looking at. this. The Faulkner one really you know, stands out to me. It's really, really interesting.
2: Yeah. You know, it is. You know, everybody kind of has their own thing. It's it's almost like, you know, people go, oh yeah, I love that book. I love the book from the list. And almost everybody says, oh, I can't believe this one didn't make it. I love that. You know, and it, it's, it, it just shows the breadth of what people read. And you know, when I saw the list, there's like, there's sci-fi books I loved when I was a kid. There's like kind of mm-hmm. spiritual books I loved when I was in college. There's kind of just more, you know, beach reading stuff that I remember doing over vacations. And different books stick with you for different reasons, and that's that's what's cool about
3: it. So on that subject, um, this is sort of a two-part question, but the first is, what type of books do you like to read? And then to kind of borrow a question from The Great American Read, what novel has had the biggest impact on your life?
2: You know, you you said these questions, and I was thinking about them, and this isn't a, a tried answer, but I think different times in my life, different books had different impact, and I think that's probably typical for for lots of folks. You know, when I was a little kid, my parents really wanted me to read, so they gave me all kinds of stuff, and I was reading The Lord of the Rings when I was, like, nine, you know, and to the point where uh, I actually asked my mom if I could have her copy of The Hobbit in her will (laughs) nine years old. Um, You know, and then when I got a little older, I found Dune, and that completely rocked my world when I was, like, 13, and you know, I got a little older. Um, it was um, Herman Hesse in Siddhartha and some of his other books. Mm-hmm. And then I got into Heart of Darkness, which just rocked my world about, you know, historical stuff. And then after that, it was Things Fall Apart. You know, so as as I grew and kind of my own uh, world kind of expanded, the, the books I wanted to read kind of that broadened, too. And they all had impacts on me in a big way. Um, you know, and... I think what I read now. I look, you know, I, I read a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I try to keep it broad. I, I am a sucker for science fiction, um, probably from how I started out as a kid. To me, I like things that kind of paint a different world or metaphorical for kind of how things are or understanding things. I like westerns too. I'm a big fan of Cormac McCarthy's work. He's not on the list, but I do love his <laughs> stuff. Well. So, um, you know, to me, it's it's that something that takes me to another place to uh, understand a different point of view. Uh, is what I like to to read uh, for novels. It's an escape.
0: Thing. It's really interesting the way that you kind of pointed out the different novels have that had a different impact on yeah. your life at, at certain times. Like, I feel like I, I really want to do this now. Maybe going back from like when I was a kid all the way through where I'm at now, because I feel like you can really pinpoint almost like the way you are interacting with sort of society and the things around you based on what novels really grabbed your attention at that point that feels really poignant i feel like we should all probably do that throughout our lives
2: yeah you know i mean i remember having um i read lonesome dove and i had been reading blood meridian and um i went with my dad on this we on this road trip through the southwest through like southern arizona i'm like i'm in these books right now (laughs) you just (laughs) feel like you're there because you've had it painted that way um and uh you know i think that's probably like that for a lot of people
3: and I think it's one of those things where if you read a book, if you're 20, and it impacts you one way, and then you gain life experience, and you go back and read that same book, when you're 30 or 40, you're going to have a very different read on it, which is always, I think, one of the best parts, to me, of rereading literature is is getting, um, you know, seeing things through a different lens based on my own life experiences. Oh,
2: totally. Like, you know... Lots of people have those novels they read in their twenties where they've underlined passages and so forth, and to go back and look at them again later, it's 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 instructive about who you, the person you become mm-hmm. too. You know, so I like the tangible to having something in my hands because it does have this feel, the feel of the history to it. You know, um, nothing wrong with books on tape or you know Kindle or what have you. I do do that too, but you know, having that that sacred thing that you read when you were younger can. Something powerful to it. Mm-hmm. So, are there books on the
0: list that you have not yet read that you're kind of excited to now that you're you're seeing that they're such a um, they're having such an important you know kind of aspect on the, the populace of our country?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about a tree grew in Brooklyn. A tree grows mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I didn't hadn't really come across that book. I Just hadn't. So, I'm excited to to get into that. Similarly, with Bless Me, Ultima. Um, there's some other kind of experimental types of novels and writing, like um, Their Eyes Were Watching God that you kind know, has a different type of uh, you know, vernacular that's used in there, ghosts like that, that I just never got around to reading, uh, so I'm psyched to get into that. Um, and then some of the things that are younger people are reading that I just, I guess I aged out of paying attention to it and doing other things that are a big, big hit. You know, Jason Reynolds' Ghost is on this list, and when we looked at some of the segments for the show of, Uh, how impactful it is among young kids, Uh, like, wow, I kind of want to check that out. Um, So it's, yeah, it's it's just, we get so busy sometimes, and we get into our own ruts about what we find interesting. I think it's really important and useful, and this process has has done this for me, is kind of paying attention to what other people are into and trying to see things through their eyes, too, which is especially important these days.
0: I on a personal note, I just have to tell you, we were fortunate enough to have Jason Reynolds on our podcast, and I've read basically everything he's written. He, Ghost, is phenomenal, and he, I honestly think, like people are going to look back and from like in like thirty years mm-hmm. from now and consider him like the voice of a generation. Like his the, his writing is so like impactful and like on point with the way that I feel like a lot of young people feel. He is absolutely like top of the list of people that i think if you want to understand how you know young people of color feel in our society today he is just right up there so that one i would highly recommend personally (laughs)
2: yeah he's been a great great partner in this i mean he's done some events for us and come to some stuff and he's been really really wonderful and you know in the actual series we went with him while he visited the classroom and just seeing the kids reaction it's just like it's Wow, you know, it's, he's been he's been really great. You know, all of the living authors have been really cool about trying to be supportive of what we're doing. And you know, to your point, I think uh, one of the other things that's really jumped out at me is the degree that the conversation starts about who the real protagonists of certain books are, mm-hmm. and trying to think of who the different characters can be. You know, I think of To Kill a Mockingbird, which is just held up as this really, you know, it's like the moral compass of America in a way. You know, like the character of Atticus Finch and you know, the character of Scout and who people identify with. But then there's a whole other side of it that other people are going to identify with. You know, we have come across this a lot where maybe the mainstream thinking is that Atticus is the hero, but for African Americans today, they probably look at Tom Robinson from, you know, perhaps reflective of some of the experiences that have been going on recently. So I think being able to see multiple points of view within novels and thinking of it that way, you know, sometimes the. The point isn't about the char- the main character. It's the side character, or a supporting character, and thinking about you know, how different Americans, because we're such a diverse country, interact with this shared culture from lots of different ways. I think it's a really important lesson. That I've certainly gotten, and I think really comes through well in a lot of the segments that you know people have shared with their own experiences.
0: That's such a good point. Um, so if people want to, you know, vote on the Great American Read, and they want to check out um, all the episodes and stuff, where can they find, uh, all the information and what time is the show on and give us all that good stuff so people can track it down.
2: Sure. Well, come and check us out online at pbs.org slash great American read. Um, that's pbs.org slash great American read. And that'll have the full list and synopses of all the books. And it'll tell you where to go to join up with, uh, uh, you know, book clubs, um, it'll be hosted at your local station webpage too. They'll have events, possibly, that you can go to, libraries and so forth, to really come out and and participate and and get access to the list. Um, Our finale actually airs on October 23rd, uh, where we will announce it, uh, the winner, and we're really excited for that. Next week on the 16th is our final themed episode, which is about other worlds, but voting will be open right up uh, until the finale uh, that weekend beforehand, so... um, yeah, just check us out on the web page and read. If you haven't read some of these books here, pick one up, pick two up, uh, and um, hopefully you tune in to the finale, and, and it, it'll be a really fun time. We're going to go through them all. we got a lot of special guests that are going to be there, um, and uh, we will announce America's most loved novel. And, you know, this will keep going. You know, the website's staying up, and we want people to just keep on reading and keep on contributing, keep on posting things, and, you know, it's taking on a life of its own beyond just a television project.
0: That is awesome. Well, I know that we will be tuning in. Bill, I know you are very, very busy. So thank you so much for coming on and and
2: chatting with us. This was a blast. It was my absolute pleasure. I had a great time. Thanks very much.
3: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.